Welcome back to another episode of The Hillary Show. I'm super excited to introduce you to Natalie Dawson today. She's a best-selling author, entrepreneur, and expert in developing people and building scalable teams. She attended the London School of Economics and utilizes her unique blend of operational and financial skill sets to align employees with their business's objectives. Man, don't you want that in your business? Over her career, Natalie's hired, trained, and led thousands of employees, which ultimately led to her helping scale her most recent company, Cardone Ventures, so quickly and profitably. Welcome, Natalie. Natalie, thank you so much for joining us on The Hillary Show. It's so good to have you here. And it's just a delight because I've watched you speak. I've watched you teach in small environments. And so I'm excited for the time that we have together to be one-to-one. Me too. This is going to be a great episode. Thank you for having me on your show. And let's give some people some value today. Yeah, I'm let's excited. give some people some value. I love it. So in a nutshell, what, what do you do? Tell me a little bit about Cardone Ventures. I know firsthand what it does because I'm one of your clients, yes. but not uh, everybody's going to know about it. For sure. So my name is Natalie Dawson. I am responsible for all things operations, people development, growing and scaling inside our business called Cardo Ventures. We have over 180 employees and my husband and I started this business about four years ago and we've grown significantly over the last four years. And so our mission at Cardinal Ventures is to help business owners learn how to scale and grow. And we really pride ourselves off of doing things the right way inside our business and really take our business as an example of how our business owners should be thinking about pricing and people development and what financial information they're looking at and all aspects of leadership development, everything that business owners are challenged with. We create the systems that we use inside our own business. And then we teach and help business owners duplicate that so that they can find similar success. What are some of the obstacles that you feel like you've overcome? You're a young woman and you're mostly speaking to, at least when I was in the room at the boot camp, it was mostly middle-aged to even, I mean, I don't know who's calling who middle-aged anymore, <laughs> but they were older than me. And I consider myself almost middle-aged and they were mostly white men. So talk to me about the conversations you have in your mind as you go into those events where you are the, you are the authority on this. And yet you may not have the crow's feet to show the, the stripes, you know, that other people might expect one to have. For sure. So funny enough, my brother who works with us actually just a couple of weeks ago called me middle-aged. I was like, what is the definition of middle-aged these days? I, I'm unclear as to what the definition is, but he's like, yeah, you're definitely middle-aged. He's like, you're not a young girl anymore. I was like, oh, wow. We're didn't, wasn't prepared we're for rounding this, wasn't up. ready. <laughs> um, but I've only, I've only choose to believe that the audience that I'm talking to needs my help, regardless of their background, regardless of what they look like, regardless of what they're bringing into an audience or into a room that they're in, into the like podcast that I'm doing or the book that I'm writing. Like I really choose to enter into those rooms, believing that I can help them. And therefore I just have to show up as myself, but I am definitely like all girl, all female. I love girly things and I'm myself in front of an audience. And so when I think back to like early experiences, you know, my husband who I've worked with now for almost a decade is so pro women. And he will even say that like his best leaders, men are the worst leaders compared to the females that he's hired over his career. So early on, I think I had a lot of just great inspiration for like, you can be a badass woman and 
you can have respect and you have a seat at the table if you do the work to put yourself there. Um, and sure, I've had moments where it's challenging or it's something that I like mentally have to overcome. Um, that was definitely earlier in my career, but now I just, I really choose to believe that I know something because I have statistics in this area of growing businesses, helping leaders develop duplicating myself that when I walk in the room, it's not about being nervous that they know more than me. However, that was certainly a, a struggle and something that I really had more difficulties with, um, earlier on in my career. And now it's less so because I just, I know I can help somebody and if I can help them, it's my responsibility to show up every day, who I am, how I am, uh, with the same energy and excitement about helping them as I would a badass female that is less negative or pessimistic about what I'm talking about, but like, I'm going to win them over. That's kind of my mentality. Yeah. There's a great Rihanna clip and it went viral on TikTok as a sound where, and I'm not going to quote it exactly, but it's essentially like, how do you keep showing up every day? And she's like, sometimes you fake it. And sometimes you just basically push through and you've got to fake it till you make it kind of an energy. Is that something that you take on when you start to have self-doubt? Cause I perceive you to be someone who's very confident and I'm kind of in awe of that and want to know where you draw on that from because we all have insecurities. We get up in front of teams and especially if we feel like, oh, I didn't do that one right. And we got to get up and do it again tomorrow. Where does your confidence come from? And do we all have to, do we, we all have to take some of Rihanna's advice? I love that TikTok quote, by the way, and you did a great job with uh, reenacting that. You know, I, people use fear and inspiration in order to motivate themselves in different ways. And what I've learned about my own motivation is I am much more likely to just like get up off my butt and go tackle something when I think about my fears. And when I think about like how bad it could get if I don't take that action. And so for me early on in my life, but especially in my career, I was really worried that I would always be overshadowed by my husband, that nobody would ever see me as an intelligent contributor because I'm married to somebody who's older than me. All of the things that would make you think that I'm not smart, that I'm not capable, that I was handed something, like I have all of that. And instead of letting that be the reason that stopped me, I really played into my head like, man, what if you wake up when you're 80 years old and you continue to do what you're doing now, which is like be in the shadows and not overcome the fears that you do have of publicly speaking, of getting the statistics that you need in order to create a business and to create value. And I would really like imagine being old and regretting all of that. And so in regretting all of that and knowing that, man, if I'm if I'm 25 now, or if I'm 29 now, and I have all of this time between now and when I'm 80 to figure it out, I might as well just figure it out and put the action and activity today and do it scared and do it freaked out because I know that I can't wake up one day when I'm 80 years old and have wasted my entire life. So at what point am I going to make the decision to be a different version of Natalie? Am I going to wait another 10 years? Am I going to wait another five years? Why not just do those things today? Um, but I've definitely struggled with all of that. And for to be honest with you, I, for five years, I wouldn't speak on a stage. I was so, I was such a shell of myself because I was so intimidated by how great my husband was at all of these things. And I thought they would want to hear from him. Why would they want to hear from me? And I really struggled with self-doubt 
and I would say the cure for that is just getting a statistic in one thing. So for me, when we launched Cardo Ventures, I was the people person. I was going to hire our team. I hired our first 50 team members. I became great at doing that one thing. And once you're great at doing something, you have a statistic, you have confidence that you're able to learn the skill set to figure out where to find talent, to interview people, to make those mistakes. And it, it felt like there was like a, a low barrier to entry with that particular statistic versus if I would have decided like, I'm going to be the best salesperson in our organization. Well, that wasn't really the right thing for me to, to get the statistic in because that's not what the business needed. The business needed this other more challenging thing, which is finding and retaining staff. And once I hit 50 team members and the team members were awesome, all of a sudden I had more confidence to then take on the operations in our business and then take on marketing. And now I'm the president of the organization and have all of the people reporting to me and it's growing like crazy. And it allows me to look back on those previous experiences, having learned from them and recognize, oh, I can do this. Like whatever the next challenge is, I, I can overcome somebody not liking me. I can overcome a team or a business owner thinking that I don't know what I'm talking about because I know that I do know what I'm talking about because I have the statistic in this area. I love it. So it's somewhat of a conversation that you're having with yourself and then proving yourself wrong by doing the work, doing the thing. That is exactly it. Funny enough, I'm in the process of writing a book. It's supposed to be to the publisher on Monday and it's called Start the Work. And so it's Start all about this process of... How do you actually your segue from teamwork, which I don't know if anyone's watching on our YouTube, they can see this beautiful book. So now it's going to be teamwork. Are you using a similar design? I am. I'm going to write four books. So teamwork oh. was the first start. The work is the next one. I had this like great idea because my last name used to be workman that all of my stuff was going to be related to the word work. And so it was teamwork, start the work. And then I had my podcast called work woman. And then I went and got married and now it's not as like clever, but I'm still sticking with it. Do you love the song? Tell me how you work, 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 work. I'm a big Rihanna fan. (laughs) I love Is that Rihanna? Yeah. Oh man, I'm on a Rihanna day today. I didn't even mean to. I love it. Probably because the Super Bowl is coming up and she's performing. So we're all just excited. She's, she's on our mind and even on a subconscious level, um, part of the story, part of what you were just talking about was story time in your head with the things that you were telling yourself about what people might be thinking or what might happen if you do or don't do this. And, so, and I, I call that story time, but the part of your book that I wanted to visit with you about was your section on why I love firing people. Oh, and it's particularly about stories. I'm going to read one paragraph because I think it's, it really sets the, the stage for what I want to chat about. Um, this is funny because growing up in a Baptist church, we would like always read a section of the Bible and then talk about it. And so this is, this is the, uh, work version, um, (laughs) uh, to figure out how to, how to do this. So this is a section in your book about firing people. It's pretty, pretty close to the end because your book walks through, the recruitment, figuring out who you want, the interview process, how to keep the team motivated. And then of course, sometimes you hire the wrong person or the person hires the wrong company and it's time for them to leave. So here's a section about establishing stories. The examples you want to create, especially early on in business about why someone was let go will continue to be talked about for 10 years from now, when you have 200 employees, I can promise you that. 
So when you're thinking through that, it's not just for your environment today to let your team member go. It's about the stories that are perpetuated naturally that create filters for the organization moving forward um, related to what you won't tolerate. Because when a new hire joins, this is the part, when a new hire joins and there are murmurs about what other team members have done to not be alignment in alignment with the team or with the business, they will be talking about why certain people left. So how do you recommend? And in my experience of, of Grant Cardone, he's, it's like watching the, the law of polarity in, in real time because people are so attracted to him or they're super repelled from him. I'm like a a moth to a flame. And that's going to be true of your organization. So people Mm -hmm. are going to be attracted to you or repelled um, by you. And how do you, when you're letting someone go in a fast growing organization, how do you think through letting people go in the narrative that's in, in transparency that's given to the existing team? So they're repeating the history in the way that you want it repeated. Hmm. It's a great question. It's a really thoughtful question. I think about this all the time because at the end of the day, I'm not making a decision to fire somebody solely for the purpose of creating a narrative or or having a story like that. That's not the main reason it's because they weren't in alignment with something that the organization stands for. And so in our organization and in the book, I talk about our six core values. So if somebody isn't able to hit results, I want to be known as an organization and I want our departments to be known as department heads who set a target and they hit the target. We have the saying in our organization, we do not miss targets. And so when somebody doesn't hit a target, it's great that everybody likes them and you know they were part of the culture club and they had all these great relationships, but if they weren't actually able to do the work and they weren't actually able to get the result of what their job is, They shouldn't be on the team because what that's going to do is that's going to allow the team members that they work alongside to be subjected to, oh, well, this person doesn't do their work. So then it lets the other team members inadvertently off the hook because the business owner or the leader isn't saying, hey, wait a second. It's, It's nice that everybody likes you. It's nice that the customer likes you. But if you can't actually do the work, then you don't have a place on this team. And I really love, you know, speaking of Grant Cardone, he he equates looking at your team like a professional sports team looks at their team. If somebody is not able to play basketball any longer, the NBA is not continuing to employ that team member. Their contract gets cut. Well, that's because the NBA is there for professional basketball. They're there to play a game. They're there to make money. And yet for whatever reason, small business owners just kind of get lost in being so dependent on certain people. And there's like this emotional dependence that they create, but it's, it's rarely about how productive that person actually is inside their business. And so when we're letting somebody go, most of the time it's because they weren't able to fulfill the result. And that in and of itself creates a story and a narrative inside your business of, we only allow top performing people here. And once you've created a group of 15 people that are top performers, they're highly held accountable, they're they're doing their part in the business, other high performers want to join that. But the fallacy is most business owners allow their first 15 team members to just be kind of so-so and to just kind of coast along in the environment. And 
then they are wondering why great talent doesn't want to work for them. Well, it's because they don't really have accountability. And why would a top performer like the NBA, LeBron James doesn't want to go play at some high school basketball league. Why? Because LeBron James is the best at his craft. And when you think about that with your team, having this narrative about, man, we expect a lot, but people are rewarded for that. And we're not going to subject high performers to poor performers. Just that in and of itself changes what the conversations are across team members because it heightens what the expectation is. And that's reverberated with every new hire. And they say like, yeah, this last person wasn't able to do X, Y, Z thing. And therefore that they're not there any longer. Granted, you can't actually share those things. Right. So I like have to be kind of careful as the person responsible for HR also in our organization. It's not like we can share, you know, Joey was let go because he didn't hit results, but other team members, they know when somebody is either all in and great or when they're not. And when they see that you're as a business owner, willing to make the hard decision to get rid of Joey, because he's not great. All of a sudden their game gets stepped up. When did you decide to be an organization that was based on results? I ask because there are so many business owners, myself included, that fall into this trap of rewarding effort. And that is so hard. Uh, I've been calling it flipping the pancake of the organization. And we've got this big pancake. That's all of these people. It's delicate. And if you let it sit there for too long, it's going to burn. So we've got to flip the pancake. Mm. And I don't know that I have a big enough spatula so that this thing doesn't break while I do the flip but we've got to flip the pancake from rewarding and expecting effort to mm-hmm. getting results. Mm-hmm. And that transition, you don't want to lose parts of the pancake, but you're probably going to, cause your spatula might be too small. So when did you decide that this was going to be the key function of your company? I, it kind of sounds dumb when I say it that way. It's like, why wouldn't it be, mm-hmm. but it's just not, um, it, And I don't know why, but it's just not for a lot of people, again, myself included. And did you have to make that transition? And what what did that look like? Yeah, I do think that we started this business with the expectation of results, with the expectation of fast growth. Um, And all businesses in theory should be started like that. But I get that there are certain businesses that just aren't their their business owner is leaving a job that they didn't like the environment so that they kind of became business owners because they were running away from something else not necessarily because they said i'm going to be a business owner and i'm going to be the best business owner and this is what i would need to know to be a great business owner it just kind of happened um so i i would say we very much started this with the intention of we are going to get results we are going to have high expectations however that process of maintaining results and maintaining accountability has shifted every single month over the last four years. And once you make the decision, all of a sudden you become unwilling to tolerate anything besides results because you've made the decision to have results in your life. And I have to hold myself to this day it, it hasn't gotten easier. It's gotten harder actually to hold myself accountable to 
the life that I want to live and living into my potential and really pushing myself because I know that if I'm letting myself off the hook, like the second book that I'm writing, I'm the president of two companies right now. One is uh, on pace to do 70 million in revenue this year. The other is on pace to do 95 million in revenue this year. And I've just decided to write a book on top of that. And sometimes I'm like, why am I doing this? Like, what is the, why am I writing a book? I don't need to write a book right now. And then I w- I'm like, wait a second, Natalie, you do have to do this because what you believe is your future and what is your potential impact is getting in front of more people. So sure, you're you're in these responsibilities, but Natalie, do you actually have an hour of extra time a day to be able to spend energy getting known, putting yourself out there, getting in new circles, or are you going to just say that you don't have that extra time? And when I really am honest with myself, I'm like, yeah, I do have the extra hour. I can put in that energy and work. If I wanted to just like watch television or tune out, I, I could make that decision. But I I would know like there's this feeling. And I think everybody has this feeling of like, man, if I made that choice to not do this book right now because I know I have the time, I'm letting myself off the hook. And as soon as you let yourself off the hook, the weirdest thing happens. You let everybody off the hook in your life. You start making excuses for, oh, it's okay that he didn't greet the client the way that he was supposed to, or it's all right that he's not putting an extra hour in. Like, let's just, let's just not look at that. And when you do that in your business, you create so much insecurity. And so, yes, the business did start with like, we are going to hit results. We are going to have growth. I don't think it, it, it's not like we knew what this was actually going to look like back then. Um, but to me, it's it's more of a question for business owners right now in this moment to say, do I believe that I have a great product and service? If I do, and it's in an ethical business, it becomes a moral responsibility to give people access to that, to ensure that they're using your products and services, which means that you have to expand, you have to hire people, you have to market yourself, you have to do all of these activities. And if the business you know is something that like long-term is part of your legacy. And I, I really think about dying so much more than most people would, would probably guess like, man, when I'm 80 years old, what impact did I actually have on the world? And I, it's, it's a heavy question for me. It's weighted. It feels like, man, I'm not doing, I'm not on pace. And for most of my life, I've not been on pace for what I thought I could have done because I've let myself off the hook. And when you stop doing that and you say, wait a second, I do believe I could have a $30 million business. I do believe that I could have a hundred million dollar business. I do believe that I could have a net worth of a half a billion dollars, whatever that number is for you. As soon as you're like, man, I expect that by the time I'm 80, I would have created this thing. I would have been a New York times bestseller. I would be on the cover of a magazine. I'd, I'd have this impact on the world. If you're somebody who has those ambitions inside of you, you just become like, you have to become unreasonable to get there or else you're just going to let yourself down for the next 20 years, 50 years, 60 years, depending on how old the listener is. Um, and I'm unwilling to die disappointed in what I did today. So that's a real driving force for the results that I'm looking for and expecting of the environment. So when you're as driven as you are, how do you unplug and talk to me about Paris? You know, I don't feel this need to unplug I really don't. I used to. I used to have this really negative self-talk about, oh, I just worked 50 hours this week and I need this time off in order to recharge. Like I would tell myself this. And so of course, by the time I had worked 50 hours, thinking to myself, well, I've worked 10 hours more than the average person. And then I watched Grant Cardone work 75 hours or 80 hours a week. And I'm like, wait a second, like 
how does he do that when I've told myself that I could only work 50 hours and then I need to recharge? And so I really started to second guess my concept and my thought process around work. Um, and so now today, like, sure, like Brandon and I will go out to dinner and that is a recharge because we get to be together. However, we're still talking about work the entire time. There's no like, oh, let's talk about, I don't even know what else we talk about. Like, a, I don't know. That's just that's what we do. It's like, it's our life. It's what we do. The, or the people with work, we like our families we talk about, but at, one, at some point it gets back to our goals, which are tied back to our work. However, Paris, Paris was still work for me. So um, I was invited to become a member of Vogue 100, which is a, a group of people that Anna Wintour hand selects that are in business, are philanthropic, are like not necessarily in the fashion world, but are like in some way connected with change and um, influence across the world. And so I got invited. It was a Saturday afternoon. This person from Vogue reached out to me asking if I was interested in an interview. And I thought that it was spam. Like I for sure was like, this is not real. I like double check the email address. You know how sometimes they like add two E's because it was Condé Nast. And I was like, is there one E in Condé Nast or is there two? Regardless, I responded, set up an interview on a Tuesday, sent in my bio on a Wednesday. And by Thursday, they were saying next week is Paris Fashion Week. If we've accepted your membership and has read over your bio, we'd love to, you know, have you join. And by the way, Paris Fashion Week is next week if you'd like to come. And at first I was like, absolutely not. I have meetings next week. I have an all team meeting. I have all of like, I have a full schedule next week. And then I asked, actually asked myself, what would my husband do? Cause he wasn't with me at the, at the moment when this happened. And when I said, what would Brandon do? Brandon would not let the mechanics of what he's doing stop him from an opportunity that he'd waited his whole life for. And I think it's important to have people in your life who would push you to do something like that. And I'm very blessed that my husband sees the importance of opportunities and like jumps on them in the hopes that one out of every a hundred work out. And so he very much is like that. So when I said, I don't think I'm going to do this, he was the first person looking at plane tickets and said, you are going, cleared my schedule. And it was just, it was magical. There was amazing people. It's a different world. I don't know much about, you know, restaurant openings and fashion shows. That's not really the world I live in every single day, but it's something that I've manifested for myself, just not knowing that that was the thing for over five years now. And so it was a real like acknowledgement of you're on the right path. And I don't know how this happened, but I'm just going to say yes to it. And I mean, Paris in January is pretty fabulous. Love it. Now, did Brandon go with you? No, he did not. And it's been a long time. So I used to live in Europe by myself. Um, I went to school there for a minute and it's been eight years since I've traveled to Europe by myself. And I have to say it was pretty fun. Like I was just doing my own thing. I walked into rooms where I knew nobody and it's been a little while since I've done that. Uh, and I, it just like reinvigorated my excitement about who I've become. And I remember I used to walk into those rooms and just not really know what to do or how to handle myself. And I was able to, you know, make friends. It was kind of like first day of school is a little nerve wracking, but, um, it was really, it was really cool. And no, he didn't come with me, but I kept him up to speed on everything that was happening. Yeah. So fun. You'll always have, it's funny people, anybody who's been to Paris has the flashback in their mind of their Paris experience and you'll have this one. And I love having achievements that my husband's involved in. I, I love that. 
but there's also something really gratifying about this was an experience where I will reflect on this and I wouldn't be here without my partner, but I got to do this one and really relish it. And I've formed this memory and it was me. And so I, I love that for you. And that is so cool that that it didn't necessarily drop in your lap out of nowhere. Like you said, that it had been tons of work that you put into this for you to be on someone's radar, but how cool to have that recognition. So congratulations. I saw that on your Instagram and was just elated for you and just, just delighted. Thank you. I appreciate that. You know, I put on my goals when I was really going through a transition about five years ago, I just like wrote out everything in my wildest dreams that I would like to have happened in my lifetime. And one of the things that I wrote down was getting an invitation to the Met Gala. I also next to that one listed that I wanted to take a trip with Beyonce and Jay-Z. So like, these are like big, like wildest, like imagination, what could life look like? And I've never met anybody who could get me into the Met Gala. I've never like, that's just been something that is almost to me as wild as going on a vacation with Beyonce and Jay-Z. But so for this thing to like fall in my lap was like, oh, okay, there's like, there's a possibility there's a for path this to this situation. Yeah, nothing is impossible. I even love watching that in Kim Kardashian, where I know that she was born into a circle of influence that having been born in a circle of influence in a field in Kansas is just different than what Kim was born into. But nevertheless, she has really had to kind of claw her way into that and then look where she is. So love them or leave them. I, I think there's a lot of wisdom in watching the journey. And it's been cool to watch even the Kardashians journey where, uh, you, you just got to have a little hustle in you. For sure. I'm in awe of them and anybody who writes them off as, you know, just being opportunistic or it all happened because of a sex tape and all of that. Like they just, they do not understand the magnitude of the work that has had to go into the, grit, the brands that they have sure, built. For sure. When you have the negative stuff come in, because as your circle of influence grows, and you go get to do these cool things, you're going to have more people from the stands who are observing you down in the ring, and they're going to have things to say. Mm -hmm. How do you regard that? What do you do with that? When it's negative things yeah, that they're saying? when it's negative. Or even yeah. like sometimes people have uninvited passive comments that they uh -huh. will have things to say perhaps about what you wear or what you weigh or uh, how you wear your hair, like lots of different unsolicited input that you just get more and more of that as your circle of influence grows. Mm -hmm. You know, I had a team member call me two nights ago and she was letting me know that there were a couple team members who were saying something negative about leadership and culture and the opportunity. And I'm like, this is fantastic that people are saying this. Like, and it wasn't a positive thing that they were saying, but I'm like, listen, they're talking about us. And we know that that stuff isn't true. Like, I know that like, I wouldn't really be bothered by somebody having a comment about like my hair or whatever I'm wearing. I have weird dudes in my comments all the time who just say the stupidest stuff like that stuff doesn't hurt. But I think as this, as I'm growing, what I notice is the people who are closer in proximity and aren't complete strangers are actually the people that you have to be just most protective of when you're um, getting input. And it's those like slight passive comments. It's not the overt ones, but it's the, you look really stressed out 
or, you know, you really need to take a break or when is enough enough? It's, it's those people um, and comments that it's less about the person and more about just like compartmentalizing to realize, am I doing the right thing right now? Am I actually in alignment with where I want to go? And if my life is getting better because I'm doing the things that I'm doing, I'm going to listen to those statistics, not the opinions of people who they care about me and and their intention might be good or it might not even be good. Um, and that's okay. So when those situations happen, I've really become resilient to just really recognizing, Hey, I know that I'm doing the right thing right now because I can see the impacts in my life and you might care about me. You might love me, but it's not the love that I have for me because I'm loving this person that I'm becoming. And I know that this is the right path that I'm on. Um, but any like outside negative comments, honestly, it's something that is like, and this is very grant esque. like, I'm waiting for more of the hate and the negativity because people talk about people who are polarizing. And for so much of my life, I've not wanted to have an opinion about things and I've not wanted to ruffle people's feathers. I don't have that like stabilizer as much anymore. And I'm just like, I feel like it's a win when somebody is like so negative about me, because then I know that they're going to go talk about me and how terrible I am to other people, which is going to bring other great people who know that I'm doing the right thing. Cause I know I'm doing the right thing into my life. This is the TikTok. A win is a win. I'm telling you a win is a win. Um, I love it. How, how does your cycle impact? How does your cycle as a woman impact your work life? If at all? Oh, interesting. Um, I was funny enough. I was thinking about that. You mean like, like menstrual cycle, right? Yes, exactly. I mean, we, so men have a 24 hour cycle, so they're renewed every day. And Uh I was talking to one of my friends who's a functional health person. I I was going to say doctor, but she doesn't have her MD. And she was like, that's why men wake up and they're ready to go in the morning where women just don't wake up with that. It's because we have a 28 day cycle. And so our, our hormones and our sex drive change every week and Mm -hmm. men's are renewed every day. So Uh, aside from sex drive, we have lots of other things that we go through in the 28 day cycle that women work with. And that's renewed for men every single day. So how does that affect you? If at all? Yeah. I saw a TikTok about this a few months ago where it's like talk education, right? right? I love it. It's so helpful. And it was kind of just like showing the different like emotions throughout the 28 day cycle. And what, um, what's true for me is really paying attention to how I'm feeling that day. And when I find that when I like use some like outside construct, then I start to like come up with reasons for why I'm feeling a certain way or doing a certain thing that's attached to this like outside thing that I don't have control over. Like for, for instance, I started um, having this aura ring, this sleep tracker and the sleep tracker like tells you when you're at your optimal, um, optimal energy. And so on the days where I knew I couldn't get great sleep and it obviously my optimal energy was low, it would suggest to me like, take it easy today. When I would show up to the gym, I wouldn't feel like I needed to take it easy, but because the thing told me to take it easy, I was like, oh, I should take it easy. And so I stopped wearing the aura ring because it just, I already prioritized my sleep and I already like I can tell when I need to take it easy or when I need to go for something. And so the, I, I believe that the like 28 day cycle does have effects on me. I just don't, when I'm experiencing one of those cycles or when I'm experiencing symptoms of a cycle, 
instead of like looking for it as like, what should I do? And, and consulting some other outside place of like, take it easy. I asked myself, like, what can I do today? And if I can't do what I thought I could do, I'm very okay with that. I don't put too much pressure on myself, but equally, I'm not just going to take it as, you know, I, and these four days are not optimal for me to be taking meetings every day. I'm not going to plan my week around that because I could show up and just feel amazing regardless of the fact that I happen to be in this four day cycle. And, and so it's like a little bit of a give and take for me. Yeah. sounds like it's a consideration, but you're not going to let a, like I use flow, for example, to track my period. And it'll tell me when I should like, you're ovulating right now. And so in my mind, I'm like, okay, well, like where, where is it? Where's it at? Like, where's that sex drive? I'm waiting for it to come, but you're not going to use that to help you gauge whether you're feeling one way or the other. Yes. I'm not going to plan around it, but if it happens and something changes, I'm good with just making a pivot. Something I love talking to people about who are writers and readers. What are you reading right now that you're excited about? Oh man, I just started a new book. Well, first of all, I I'm pulling up my books right now. Um, I restarted simple abundance. I'm not sure if you've heard of, uh, it's one of those daily, uh, daily reads it. So it has a day for every day of the year. And it was on Oprah's favorite things when I was in the seventh grade. And I remember my mom bought it and it's all about gratitude and just being more appreciative. And for me, I started picking this up at the beginning of this year and it's allowed me to just have a moment of pause in the morning. And I read it while I'm drinking coffee or making breakfast. And sometimes I don't even agree with what it's saying, to be honest with you. But for me, it's more of like a ritualistic thing that I'm doing. That's been helpful to just really ground me because what I recognize right now and, and I'm really choosing to live into is I, I believe that right now, this is the best time of my life. I'm never going to be younger than I am today. I'm never going to have the opportunities that I have today when I'm the age that I am. Brandon is never going to be this young. My parents are never going to be this young again. Like I'm really choosing to believe that this time in my life is something that I need to treasure. And I will look back on and think, wow, what a magical time, even though it is challenging and stressful and there's a million things going on. And when I just allow myself that five minutes in the morning to read that, it sets my whole day up for appreciating the moment when I drink my coffee and appreciating the moment when my brother walks into my office and he's stressed out about some decision that he has to make or the team that is with us right now. Like I know all of this is going to change. And I'm sure in 10 years from now, I'm going to say this is the best time because it really is a choice. Um, but this book called simple abundance is, is really helping me just tap into that right now. If you like that, I'm going to check it out because I've not read that book, but Oprah has a book called what I know for sure. Uh-huh. And they're short stories mm -hmm. and it's Oprah storytelling at its finest. And they, they give me that similar reminding daily mm -hmm. reminding. And I, I read that book you know, it's like three or four minutes and it's Oprah reading. So I'm like getting ready in the morning and I'm like, all right, I need some Oprah time, but, and I don't think it sounds like simple abundance is by Oprah, but maybe recommended by her, but it's, it's such a good reminder. I love that. Mm -hmm. This is the best time of my life right now. This is the best time of my life. Why mm -hmm. wait for it to come when it could mm -hmm. be right now? Yeah. Or thinking that it's already in reverse. Like a lot of people get trapped in, Oh, I, I peaked when I was 18 or it was so great when I was 23. And I am guilty of this where I think five years ago, like if I could only relive that experience, but then 
as you know, age teaches us the experience that you're having right now is likely going to be the thing that in five years from now you consider the good old days. And so instead of waiting, why not just really appreciate it, what it is today. And I think that also comes from having a lot of confidence about where you're going to be in the future, which kind of like wraps back to what we were talking about earlier, which is if you know that you are supposed to make an impact on this world and you're supposed to do great things and you you have confidence that you are taking every action and every step that you're supposed to be taking and you're not letting yourself off the hook, you know and have confidence that you're going to get there. It's just a matter of when. And so if you knew that you were going to get to the destination that you want to be at and you had full confidence in that because you are taking the actions to get there, why wouldn't you enjoy the process? Because you're going to get there no matter what. So I might as well have fun while I'm doing it because I'm not going to wait because I already know that's going to happen. So I'm, I'm going to act as if it's already happened today. I love it. Where can people find more about you? Oh, well, they can go to Instagram. I'm probably most active on Instagram and TikTok. On TikTok, I have my new last name, which is the Natalie Dawson. On Instagram, it is still Natalie Workman. Uh, I think it's Workman Dawson. So um, both of those places are where I'm spending time on the internet. And if they want to work with you, they go to Cardone Ventures? Yeah, cardoneventures.com forward slash, what would be the best place to go? Um, Forward slash 10X is probably the best place to go where you get a downloadable about being 10X and then also um, reaching out about what our services and offerings are. And you and Brandon have a really cool, if you're thinking about working together type of quiz, that's also mm-hmm. a good one. So mm-hmm. Google around, if you're thinking about working with your partner or even, I don't know, you tell me, I have not taken the quiz, but I do work with my husband. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I it's, it better work out, you know, like we're already in it. So like, there's For no sure. going back now post quiz but it might even be good to take, to see if you're compatible with, um, friends or family members as well. For sure. Yeah. That one is cardoventures.com forward slash WTF. And it stands for the work together formula. But I also, also thought that it was fitting because sometimes you're working with a partner and you're thinking to yourself, WTF. Yes. <laughs> yes. Sometimes I work just with myself and I think that fair and things come out of my mouth and I think that just happened. So yes. I love it. Well, thank you so much for joining us. It's been an absolute pleasure and you brought the value. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you for having me. Appreciate you. For sure. Thank you so much for listening in. If you enjoyed that, please share with a friend, send them a link and a message that says, I think you'll get value out of this and we'll see what happens. Thanks so much and have a great day. I'll see you next week on another episode of the Hillary show.